today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Lord, how are you going to do this? I mean, I know you can. It's not can you, it's how are you going to do this? Yeah, you'll see. And when you see what I'm going to do, you are going to be ruined for me for the rest of your life. Because you've been the recipient of something like this. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Contrary to popular belief, you don't need to know how something works to know that it works. In the same way, Pastor J.D. reminds us today that faith is confidence in things unseen. You don't have to see God to know that He's real. You don't have to understand in order to obey. That's what faith really is. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. These were real people like you and me. And I think when we're reading Scripture, it's too easy, actually, to just read the account and not really fully grasp the intensity of the situation as it must have been like at the time. So here's now Isaac, the promised son, from whom the descendants would come. And what's God going to do? He goes to Abraham, says, Abraham, I want you to take your son now, and I want you to sacrifice him. What? Wait, I'm, wait a minute, there must be some misunderstanding here, because this is the son that you promised that you were going to multiply my descendants, and now you want me to sacrifice him? So, wait a minute, what? I don't understand. Oh, I know you don't understand, but you need to trust me. Yeah, but this makes no sense. No, but you need to trust me. This really happened. And you know what's interesting? Abraham trusted God, even though he didn't understand how God was going to fulfill his promise to him, multiplying his descendants through this son that now he was being told he had to take and sacrifice. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want for us to take the remainder of our time together today and do a deep dive of sorts into this. And in order to do that, I want to invite you to join me in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis 22, we have this fascinating account of how this happened, and even why this happened, by the way. Beginning in verse 1, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, verse 2, take now your son, your only son Isaac. Stop right there. 
Uh, wait a minute, Abraham has another son. His name is Ishmael. What about him? Oh, God did not recognize Ishmael. Why? Because Ishmael is a type of the flesh, Isaac a type of the spirit. How many times have we, like them, <laughs> this is what I mean by we're like them, they're just like us, have we tried to help God in our own flesh? And the result of it is we birth an Ishmael. And look at the problems that it causes. To this day in the Middle East, look at the problems this has caused. So God doesn't even recognize the work of the flesh, no, only the work of the Spirit in the supernatural, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your only son, your only begotten son, Isaac, whom you love. Can you imagine how much he loved him? I mean, this is going to cause a lot of problems between him and his wife. You read on, and he has to send him out. Hagar and Ishmael. God still blesses him, by the way. That should be a word for somebody here today as well. But can you imagine how much he loved his son Isaac? And he says, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Now this is an interesting detail because this is not a sin offering for salvation. This is a burnt offering for sanctification. This is a test. Abraham is being tested again, old in age, approximately 133 years old. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. In other words, he didn't even tell him which mountain yet. Oh, we know which mountain it is, Mount Moriah. You can go visit there today if you want. Many of you that have been to Israel with us, we've been there. It's the actual site known today as the Temple Mount. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because there's a lot of typology here because Isaac is a profound picture of Jesus Christ. This is why I keep emphasizing his age. I know growing up in Sunday school, the flannel graphs with Isaac, he's a little boy or a baby. I'm so sorry to ruin your childhood <laughs> and your flannel graph and your Sunday school lessons. He was not a little child. He was 33 years old, the age that Jesus was when he went to that same mountain and was sacrificed as God's only begotten Son. Verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Interesting detail again. At first read, you read verse 3, you go, okay, wait a minute, early in the morning? I mean, I don't think he slept that night. But notice the detail recorded for us, showing his obedience yet again. He just does it. Saddled his donkey. He's not said anything to Sarah. He's certainly not at this juncture said anything to Isaac yet. And took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering. Isaac would have known that. And arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then, again, you're going to see this typology. We're going to, Lord willing, talk more about this next when we talk about Isaac. On the third day, 
Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young man, he's got two men there, stay here with the donkey. And I want you to notice something. There's two things here. The lad in the original language, that is a young man, not a baby boy. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and keyword, listen, we will come back to you. Wait a minute, Abraham, <laughs> isn't that a little bit presumptuous? Because God told you that you were going to go to this mount, and you're going to offer him as a sacrifice, a burnt offering. And now you're telling your guys that you're both going to come back? I think it's only going to be you that comes back. No, no, no. Because see, I have a promise. I have a promise from God that He is going to multiply my descendants through Isaac. I don't know how He's going to do it. I just know that He's going to do it. I don't know the way He's going to do it. I just know that He's going to do it. I don't know when He's going to do it. <laughs> I just know that He's going to do it. We will be back. And as we just read in Hebrews, He considered, He concluded, better said. Okay, I got this promise that God's going to multiply my descendants. Now I'm being told and tested to take Him and sacrifice Him as a burnt offering. And oh, I know, God's going to raise him from the dead, because God can do that. Because God already did that. He already raised him from a dead womb. Yeah, that's impossible. Well, God's already done the impossible, so is there anything too hard for the Lord? We'll be back. So Abraham took the wood, verse 6, of the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac, verse 7, spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, verse 8, My son, and I want you to listen very carefully to this, God will provide for Himself, better translated, God Himself will provide Himself as the Lamb for the sacrifice. That is a prophecy pointing to the Lamb of God, the person of Jesus Christ. God will become a man. God Himself will be the sacrifice. So the two of them went together. Now when you understand that Isaac is a young man, age 33, and after his father tells him that, and he still willingly goes, knowing that God is going to provide the sacrifice, then, verse 9, they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son, a 33-year-old man, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. 
And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, verse 11, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only begotten son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, verse 13, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Question. You mean God didn't know that Abraham was going to do that? I mean, when I read verse 12, and it says, Now I know that you fear me, and since you have not withheld your son. Really? We had to go through all that for you to know that I was going to be obedient and trust you, even though I didn't understand what you were doing, or the way you were going to do it, or just, I just believed by faith that you were going to do it. And, and it took all of this for you to know. I thought you were all-knowing, God. What happened? I know I'm being very silly in the way I'm illustrating this, but you'll see why here in a moment. No, it's not so that God would know. It's so that Abraham would know what God already knew. Now stay with me. When God puts us to the test, He wants us to see ourselves as He sees us. He wants us to know what He already knows. Now how is He going to do that? He has to do something like this. Well, isn't this a little bit extreme? Well, here's what I'm thinking. Abraham has some history with God now, right? Lever of the Chaldees to a place that I'm going to take you, that you don't know where you're going to go. He goes, God blesses him, prospers him. Okay, number one. Number two, I'm going to give you a son, a biological son, from whom all your descendants will come. And God does it. These are all unthinkable impossibilities, by the way. That was number two. Now number three. Okay, now I want you to take this promised son, and I want you to sacrifice him. What's Abraham going to do? God knows what Abraham's going to do. Abraham does not yet know what he himself is going to do. And then can you imagine? He was fully at the ready to plunge that knife into his son whom he loved, believing by faith that God, he knows God can, raise him from the dead. Another miracle. Hey, you don't understand something about me. Abraham would say, I've been on the receiving end of miracles from the mighty hand of God. I have tasted from that cup, and I have seen what God is able to do. There's nothing that God cannot do. I've already been the recipient of that. This is my son. There was no way that he would be born. And look at him. And now God's saying, I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Hey, if God could do it once, He can do it again. There was a resurrection of sorts from Sarah's womb, just as there was a resurrection of sorts on this altar that day. 
when you've gone through those times of testing and trial, where I mean, it's like, Lord, I believe you, but I mean, (laughs) it's going to have to be good because there's no way, no way. God's like, way? Yeah, but Lord, how? You'll see. Yeah, but Lord, this, this makes no sense at all. I know. Lord, how are you going to do this? I mean, I know you can. It's not can you, it's how are you going to do this? Yeah, you'll see. And when you see what I'm going to do, you are going to be ruined for me for the rest of your life. Because you've been the recipient of something like this. Did you imagine the spring in his step as they're walking back to the servants? Told you he'd be back. (laughs) That's faith. That's faith. I want to close with a personal testimony of my own concerning this account here, which is (laughs) pretty close to my heart. My wife and I, as I've shared with you, were one of those couples that they diagnosed as having unexplained infertility, which basically meant that they could not explain your infertility. (laughs) Very, uh, you know, medical uh, term. And we tried, couldn't have children. We would get pregnant, lose the baby, and the one, one baby we lost in the second trimester through a miscarriage. We even tried adopting a girl. We were there for the birth. My wife videotaped it. We even named her. Birth mother was 15 years old, had come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ two weeks prior to us meeting her for the first time when she had met us to place in an open adoption her daughter. Daughter was born, and then this is June 1st of 1997, and asked if she could take the baby home before she placed her with us. And we kind of saw the proverbial handwriting on the wall. We released her from the adoption. She ended up keeping the baby. At that time, I went before the Lord and cried out to the Lord, and the Lord gave me a word. It wasn't audible, but it was—it didn't have to be. <laughs> but the word was, like with Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a son one year to the day. Okay, Lord. <laughs> All right. And then he said, I want you to go tell Sarah, I mean your wife, and... I did. And um, so what's really interesting is that on August 14th of 1994, this is prior, my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. Nine months later, my mom on May 22nd of 1995 died, in my arms actually, And before she died, I prayed and I made a vow to the Lord saying that if you take my mom, I no longer have parents, nor am I a parent. I said, if you take my mom, give me a son. 
It's one of those prayers where afterwards you have to like apologize for it. What is this? Let's, let's make a deal with God. I'll trade you my mom for a son. That was May 22nd, 1995. Well, fast forward back to 1997, June 1st, when she was born, the birth mother keeps the baby. That fall, we find out that we're pregnant again. And you know how the doctors will try to estimate the time of conception and the approximate due date after the nine months of gestation. So, well, it, it would seem that your uh, due date is going to be on or around May 22nd, which was the date that my mom died, which if you do the math nine months earlier would have made it about August 14th, the day that my dad died. And it was like the Lord saying to me, I heard that prayer, and I heard that vow, because I told the Lord, if you give me a son, I will sell my business, and I will serve you all the days of my life. Um, well, we get pregnant, May 22nd comes, and he was post-due. Uh, so we go in, you know, that firstborn, always stubborn, the firstborns, yeah. So his birth date, he was born on June 2nd, 1998, exactly one year to the day that God told me that He would give me a son. I sold my business. I started and planted my first church in North Idaho that following year. Uh, left there, came here. As they say, the, the rest is history. And I've never looked back. I have tasted from this cup. And I can testify to you. <laughs> God can do anything. God can do anything. Maybe you have a wayward son, or a prodigal son, or a wayward daughter. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? A barren womb, is there anything too hard for the Lord? God can do the impossible. Just believe. If you'll just believe, you'll see you'll see. God is able. He's the God of the impossible. Why don't you stand and we'll pray. Yeah? Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the example of Abraham and Sarah, the birth of Isaac. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, for including this in Scripture so that all these generations later we could be here in this, your church, and be edified and built up because of it. Lord, this is your word to us. You have given us your word. You cannot go back on your word. We have this promise from you. We don't know how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, the way you're going to do it. We just know by faith that you're going to do it, because you said you would. Lord, I pray for anyone that's discouraged, and maybe that discouragement is giving way to despair, whatever their situation is, their Isaac situation is. Lord, I pray that you'll reveal yourself afresh and anew in their lives, and strengthen them, and encourage them, building them up in the faith. Lord, thank you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.